This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning, you're listening to Pressing Matters, the show where we go beyond the headlines and explore issues driving the press. I'm Philip C. In today's show, I speak to Muhammad Faisal bin Abdurrahman. He's a research fellow at the S. Rajaranam School of International Studies, a global think tank based in Singapore to discuss the implications of the prospect of US banning TikTok in Asia. So Faisal, thank you so much for joining us. How are you keeping? Great, thank you for having me here. Now, in the past two weeks, it's been relatively chaotic, I think, in the U.S. as we saw TikTok CEO present himself to the U.S. Congress. Uh, there was a lot of heated debate, for sure. Uh, they have not yet banned TikTok uh, in the United States. But I want to get your perspective, right? What are the implications if the U.S. does ban TikTok? What are its implications in Asia specifically? Well, the implications will be very wide-ranging. I won't profess to know what the full implications are because I think this is something which uh, everybody is trying, still trying to grapple and forecast. But I will say that this TikTok ban, on the surface, it does look like some sort of a technological war between the US and China. But if the situation is not controlled, it can affect other domains of the US-China competition, such as in the diplomacy area, economy, and military, including in Asia, uh, South China Sea and Taiwan Straits. It will create more stress for Asian countries that have some sort of uh, balance or equidistant relations between China and US and trying to maintain their own independent foreign policy. So when it comes to the TikTok episode, uh, it's one example of the US trying to promote its version of a free and open internet and as well as its rules relating to the digital information technologies, starting with its own cyberspace. So the TikTok is one of the things that fits uh, back then President Trump, President Trump's uh, idea of pushing for this thing called the clean network vision. Yeah. And then later on, after President Biden took over, his administration uh, promoted last year the yeah, their vision of the declaration for the future of internet. And China, when he when sees this, right, especially the clean network, it tries to counter it by launching its own version of the vision called the Global Initiative for Data Security. So I would say that both the US and China are trying to be the dominant power uh, in shaping the international order in the, in the cyberspace. Now, how ASEAN countries, like how Asian countries respond would be, would be closely watched by both China and the US. If we take a light touch on TikTok, the US may start to wonder how much Asian countries can be relied on as a partner or as a friend if the competition between with China gets worse. And this can actually affect how the US approaches us or cooperates with Asian countries in the various areas of defense, political, or even in economic right. cooperation. But if we take a tough position on TikTok, say due to genuine cybersecurity concerns, China will not accept this and will regard us as siding with the US, although we are not. So. I feel that if the competition gets worse, then and the both giants cannot cooperate and start to treat each other as mortal enemies, it will affect us in Asia, how we uh, use technology, how our digital economy works, how we conduct research and development, and who we want to connect economically and technologically in the future. So you believe that actually 
with this happening in the US, we'll be forced to take sides. That's a concern, isn't it? And then you put Asian governments in a quandary about which sides to take. And this is a bit of a problem in Southeast Asia in particular, where perhaps they've always taken a neutral stance comparatively to perhaps Japan, Korea or India, who perhaps side more with the United States. Mm. That's right. And the thing is that in today's context, especially now in 2023, the Southeast Asian states in trying to, to maintain their neutrality position is actually facing a very difficult, difficult situation because neutrality has become a, somewhat of a dirty word, especially after the Russian invasion of Ukraine, where the Western powers, the US, believe that Neutrality doesn't exist. You are either you have to choose a side, and even if you choose to be neutral by siding with the international law, you're actually choosing a side. Side. So neutrality is getting a bit hard to to maintain. Or the idea of maintaining close re- economic relations with China, you know, the big China market, but at the same time depending on the US as our security guarantor in this region, is getting a bit difficult to to balance because economy and security are actually starting to become more intertwined. They're interconnected and intertwined. Yeah, and it's because of digital technology, such as social media, TikTok. And that's why I'm quite keen to get your perspective. I mean, we're having this conversation about the geopolitical implications. I wonder when an Asian government makes a decision on how they approach TikTok, I wonder if domestic politics really becomes a key consideration. You know, for example, in Malaysia, the youth vote is such an important vote, right? And so doing something like you know, banning TikTok would be very much unpopular in the youth population, right? Is that a big consideration perhaps with governments here about the consideration of whether they take action on TikTok from a domestic standpoint as opposed to thinking about it from a geopolitical viewpoint? Uh, yes. It's very interesting because in today's context, uh, in many countries, the domestic considerations and the geopolitical consideration are starting to become more intertwined. We look at the in the US itself, TikTok is very popular there. Uh, a lot of people are using it, be it young or old. There's a big following there. You know? I think about 150 million users there. But somehow, the America, the US uh, politicians are able to push for this TikTok ban, uh, taking a hard stance on it because somehow between the Democrats and the Republicans, uh, there United. is a consensus. They disagree with, with a lot of things, the Democrats and Republicans. But somehow when it comes to China and TikTok, they both agree. So for them, the domestic politics actually help the help in terms of the foreign policy to 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 be hard towards TikTok. For Asia countries, likewise, the domestic politics have an impact, but I think it'll be quite difficult because that we because of TikTok having a very big market share in Asia. There are a lot of people from Asia that actually work in TikTok. Right, especially in Singapore, for example. If you start to ban TikTok, what will happen to the company? What will happen to the regional headquarters, the regional offices? People will lose their jobs. Now, that will cause the government of the day in many countries to start losing votes. That's one thing. Second, I think politicians in our, in Asia has realized that because of the great popularity of TikTok, they themselves are starting to jump on the TikTok bandwagon. No? They have... They start to post their videos, etc. I think we have seen that uh, in the Malaysian election in 2022, where TikTok actually plays a big part in shaping uh, certain political uh, opinions. So if you ban TikTok, it comes with risk. Uh, you know, the thing is, which is the risk that you want to take? Uh, is the risk of some the supposed Chinese influence more dangerous, or the risk of losing 
a tool, i.e. TikTok, to get votes a greater risk. No, which one is actually want yeah. to you want to pursue lah? But ironically, right, authoritarian regimes would be quite keen to ban TikTok, isn't it? Because TikTok is such an open format for you to voice your discontent. Perhaps, you know, uh, more open democracies like what we're seeing happening in Malaysia, it's very hard to now, but I'm sure that there are many uh, jurisdictions who have a more authoritarian bent would be quite comfortable to ban TikTok for very different reasons to what we saw in the U- United States. The United States frames it as a as a war with China or the cybersecurity concerns. But for these local, perhaps uh, borderline dictators, they would be quite happy to do that, isn't it? And how easy is it to ban TikTok then? I think it's not difficult. Uh, we have seen... If we don't look at TikTok first, uh, if we look at the earlier social media companies, uh, Facebook or WhatsApp, uh, there have been instances where the more authoritarian countries uh, have actually blocked it or banned it. Not totally, but sometimes they just block it like, for a few days, for a few weeks in order to quill some protests, stop certain political activism. So it's actually doable because although tech companies like Facebook or even TikTok is very powerful in the cyberspace, but the thing is, the connection between the cyberspace to the people, uh, to our own smart devices, uh, is still controlled by governments. You know, basically the internet connection, the fibers uh, within the country. Government still has jurisdiction. So if they cannot control the content, what they do is they just cut the connection. That's mm. what they can do. But that is actually very extreme. Uh, and I think it's the most authoritarian countries which are more likely to do that. Those which are between the, in the spectrum of between authoritarianism and democracy may have to think twice about doing it. They have to be very careful because they may not want to be labelled as authoritarian. No, they can't think. Yeah. We're going to take a short break because we're going to head into some messages and we'll come back. We're going to continue our discussion with Faisal from RSIS on the implications of US banning TikTok in Asia. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Thanks for staying tuned to Pressing Matters on the Morning Run. Today on the show, I speak to Mohammad Faisal bin Abdurrahman, Research Fellow at the S. Rajaranam School of International Studies, a think tank based in Singapore, as we discuss the prospect of the U.S. banning TikTok in Asia. You know, Faisal, but U.S. wasn't the first country that was contemplating a ban, right? India actually did impose a ban on TikTok, correct me if I'm wrong, in 2020. Give me the reasons why they did it, and were they very different from how the U.S. is thinking about it? Uh, Yes, I think there's a bit of a difference, actually. Currently, to the US uh, government, when they look at TikTok, they do not see it as an immediate threat. Uh, They regard it not as a tactical threat or uh, an operational threat of sorts. They regard it as a strategic issue because they see that TikTok has the potential to cause great harm to their own uh, national security or foreign policy uh, directions. But for India, which was, a, I believe, is the first country to uh, ban TikTok in 2020. The rationale is slightly different, although there are some similarities. Of course, before the banning happened, TikTok in India already had certain issues with the government there. Uh, there were certain discussions relating to uh, privacy and cybersecurity uh, matters, you know, whether TikTok could meet the Indians', Indians uh, requirements for this. But at the same time, the Indians were very upfront in saying that they want to protect the safety and sovereignty of what they call is the Indian cyberspace. This idea of uh, digital sovereignty, where states have full or great control of their own cyberspace. Uh, and this is something which TikTok somewhat challenged it because TikTok is a private company and not supposed to be answerable to any government. But I would say that 
the main driving force for India's decision to ban TikTok was actually the violent confrontations between the Indian and Chinese soldiers at the Himalayan border, where they have had a long history of disputed territory and military clashes. For information, uh, there is the clashes there, which has been happening for many years, is also one reason which is slowly pushing India closer and closer to the US, although they mm. don't really agree on everything. But because of the clashes that reach a very high level, a very level of a certain level of severity back in 2020, uh, India decided to basically just ban it. It is a way for India to retaliate against China through economic warfare, because India, I believe, knows that it cannot match China in terms of military power. So this is uh, one way to, of retaliating indirectly. And because TikTok was very popular in India, uh, it was also a way to uh, stop India from spreading their propaganda to influence the Indian citizens. Because yeah. I recall back then, there were quite some propaganda on uh, TikTok and other social media where they were, uh, were very critical of Indian's uh, decision, the security decision or foreign policy decisions. So I think the in, the Indian government couldn't take it anymore. That's how they uh, use it to somewhat retaliate and also to protect uh, their own uh, sovereignty against uh, in China. Let's expand on this point about digital sovereignty. Mm. I mean, this was also alluded to in the hearings, right, in the US with the TikTok officials that, you know, we could talk about data storage located, a different governance structure in respective jurisdictions. Is that a way around it, you think? Do you think Asian governments will be very open to that in which there is these national governance bodies or that data is put in place in your local jurisdictions, right, to avoid leakages. Is that possible even though you may actually have a mother company that's headquartered in China? I think it boils down to the question of trust, whether you trust that company to protect your own national interests. Ideally, to have the company base their cloud service in your own country should help to resolve some some cybersecurity or data protection issues because it's in your country. So the company has to abide by national laws. Uh, but I think when it comes to TikTok, the question is that A, no matter the server is based let's say for project, project taxes, uh, which TikTok wants to do, or even, even, even if the server is based in the US, but there would be, because of the nature of cyberspace itself, it may not be easy to totally separate the servers in the US from being connected via internet to the parent company in China, ByteDance. Mm. That's one thing. And also, is the origin of the country. Okay. Secondly, is the ori oh, sorry, origin of the company. ByteDance, TikTok is basically a Chinese company from China. And anything that's from China, the US just do not trust, full stop, no matter what the Chinese do. You know, even when the Chinese try to sincerely address certain issues, the Americans would just will not, will not accept it because their level of distrust has reached this this epitome, you know, this this yeah. this apex is very difficult. This apex. And that's yeah. why I think the frustration, and I don't know whether we, we see this being played out in the press here and how Asians look at it. Do they see that the US is intentionally singling out TikTok because it's Chinese, as opposed to this whole logic about digital sovereignty or uh, in what President Trump or President Biden have always been doing in developing a more 
in, to in developing integrity in the framework, do you see that in Asia people can, tend to view this whole hearing as an anti-China movement as opposed to preserving digital sovereignty? I think it depends on who in Asia we are asking because I think people in Asia are quite diverse. Uh, uh, people in different Asian countries have different views and even within a country itself, in a society, if you ask the the guy on the street the, or the girl on the street or you ask somebody who works in the policy making circles they have different views on it but i will say that the view of china of sorry of the us being very uh hard very hardline appearing to be a bully uh, towards tiktok does permit quite significantly uh in asia i think a lot of people see that especially when you put a ceo who's actually an asian who says that he's not Chinese but an Asian, in this case a Singaporean, yet facing that kind of grilling uh, from the American uh, congressman. Uh, yeah. I think it does create that kind of negative perceptions. The thing is, I, for those congressmen at the hearing, I think, I believe they really, they sincerely think that they have achieved their game, their, their goal. But they are not doing a good job in trying to convince people in Asia to share their worldview that China is a threat. Yeah so, yeah. This, yeah, so I think that's why I, I wonder, right, and just also having friends in Singapore, the fact that, you know, Shouchi Chu is actually a Singaporean who runs TikTok. I wonder how Singapore press actually viewed uh, the hearings when, when they see a fellow Singaporean who runs one of the largest entities in the world being grilled, perhaps quite mercilessly, right, by US, US congressmen then. Oh, well, it's, well, I could say that in Singapore... People are quite a big number of people. I would, I would assume are quite uh, proud of him. Yeah. Not because he, because to the Singaporeans, uh, they, they see a true blue Singaporean, born and bred Singaporean, leading a multinational tech company, one of the most powerful commercial entity in the world, and facing such pressures from I an mean, all-powerful superpower, the US. And to them, that he's able to maintain some sort of uh, decorum and. Uh, calmness uh, under pressure it makes people in Singapore pretty proud okay mm. uh, of course you, do, you don't take into consideration that he's working for a Chinese company la, but the fact that a Singaporean was able to helm a, a huge company and face that kind of pressure and, but yet remain calm is actually a moment of pride for a lot of Singaporeans but to the Americans they see it differently they, f- they feel that the hearing has demonstrated how the CEO has failed to demonstrate that TikTok it's not a threat and not linked to China. So yeah. the views are, there's a very, I would say there's a big gap between the views in the US and the views in Asia, in, in particular in, in Singapore. There's a very big division and I, perspect, I suspect many people in Asia also uh, were not uh, approving of how the US Congress approached it because when you hear the testimonies and hearings, they had all had made up their mind even before the hearing. So for many people then, that doesn't build the case, right, for the US here in winning hearts and minds in Asia. No, I think it's a very it's a wasted opportunity because I I personally believe that TikTok and as well as Western social media platforms need to be regulated better because the online space is just a wild wild west. There's a lot of things going on there, a lot of harms, uh, online porn, uh, cyber bullying, radicalization. It's happening a lot. It's very hard to keep a, a leash on it. So. All social media companies need to do better in terms of regulating their content, in terms of you know abiding by regulations. But if the US had focused more on such online harms, I think they will probably get 
better buy-in or more support from the rest of the world, including Asia. But, in, but instead, they choose to focus on the anti-China sentiment. Everything is about anti-China, anti-China. And the issue of online harms, uh, about bullying, people deciding to commit suicide after watching TikTok videos, these are legitimate concerns, but it became a sideshow. It's not the main theme of the hearing. And I think that is a very recent opportunity because a lot of countries in Asia uh, are actually trying to figure out how what is the better way to regulate the social media space. Mm. They are looking towards the US, they're looking towards Australia, they're looking towards Europe, they're also looking towards China, which has a who has a better model of online regulation and whether we can take a bit of here and there to fit our respective national uh, context. Uh. But when you look at the, how the Americans are doing it, I think it doesn't really inspire inspire confidence in our region. So what's next? Assuming that um, the US bans TikTok, the issue we have is that a lot of content uh, on TikTok is generated by the US. Do we expect that TikTok will decrease in influence and across Asia if US is banning TikTok then? From a user standpoint? From the user standpoint, I think there will be some impact, but it will not be immediate. Although the US are a big market for TikTok. I think Asia is an even uh, bigger market for uh, for TikTok. Um, so from the user standpoint, we should be still be able to access some American content on it, especially when American users still have it on their apps. And if they use the VPN. Virtual, virtual private network, uh, VPN, uh, they should still be able to access the app and share it with uh, user, TikTok users from other parts of the world. All right. Faisal, thank you for your time. That was really interesting. That was Muhammad Faisal bin Abdurrahman, Research Fellow at the S. Rajaranam School of International Studies, discussing what the implications of the US banning TikTok in Asia. This has been Pressing Matters on the Morning Run. Coming up next is the 10 a.m. News Bulletin, followed by Enterprise, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.